1: Folks, if you have your Bibles, I'd I'd like you to turn right now to Colossians. We're in the second chapter. We're going to focus on verses 11 through 15 today. This series is entitled Our Life in Christ. Most Christians don't realize that there is so much more to their Christian life than just being forgiven and what comes later when you go to be with Jesus. They forget that there is something in between, or they haven't been taught that there's something in between, that there is a life right now with Jesus. And so that's what this letter has been focused on. It's addressing some errors that this church was dealing with, the Colossian church was dealing with, and that we sometimes will face. We'll look at some of those next week as well. But it was trying to primarily get us to understand that you and I have a wonderful relationship with Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at today. In fact, I I just want to refer back to, in verse 10, he makes this statement, we talked about it last week, and you are complete in him. Jesus is the one who, and the relationship with him that brings fullness to your life. We talked about that last week. Now, if you really think about that for a moment, I know I have in the past, I've, I've struggled with that, because I have this relationship with Christ I struggle with the whole thought of being complete in him. And to be honest with you, it has nothing to do with Jesus. I struggle because of myself. I struggle because of how I perceive myself. And I think, can I be honest with you, that's the biggest hindrance to most of us when it comes to the relationship that you have with Jesus. I think you understand what I mean, right? It's how we see ourselves because we know ourselves. And we know, can I be honest with you, let's think about human relationships for a moment. Let's think about human relationships for a moment. And even when the relationship is going well, it's not just the actions of the other person that can create a problem in a relationship. It's how we perceive ourselves in that relationship. Do you know what I mean? It's how we perceive ourselves. It's how we see ourselves and, and what we've done and what we could have done and all of that can, can affect the relationship. And that carries over in our relationship with the Lord. What do you mean, George? Well, let me give you two points here to point out what I'm talking about, this, this whole issue of self-perception. First thing is, is that we tend to see ourselves through our failures and weaknesses. So when we talk about the relationship with Jesus, the first thing, if you're really serious about the relationship with Jesus, what comes to your mind, and will always come to your mind, because first of all, you have an enemy who reminds you continually, is your failures. The things you did wrong, the sins that haunt you, the wrong decisions, the things that you wish you could go back and change. Am I not right in that? Usually, when we think about our relationship with Jesus, the first thing that comes to our mind is the stuff that we do wrong. And that's because we see ourselves through our failures and our weaknesses. That's true even in our human relationships as well. We build up junk in our lives, and it carries over into our relationships. That's being human. We carry with us the scars. Now, here's the wonderful thing, because you're like, oh man, Georgia really I came here to be encouraged today. You're, you're actually bringing it up. Well, let me, let me give you an encouragement here. Revelation 20 tells us that when Jesus comes and we go to be with him, he'll wipe away every tear. Isn't that wonderful? Because all of the regrets will be gone. But now here's the thing. Here's the second point I want you to see. Is, you know, this perception of ourselves, of our seeing ourselves through our failures and our weaknesses. Here's what happens. This leads to a misunderstanding concerning how God sees us. Look, have you ever met somebody that did one bad mistake and then they had to carry that mistake with them forever? Now here's the problem. We think God is the same way. But I'm going to tell you right now, he doesn't see you through your failures. But yet you think he does. I thought about it this week as I was thinking about this message and preparing it in my mind. I thought about this is where contrasting the relationship with God breaks down when we contrast it with human relationships. Here's, here's where it is, okay? So think about this for a moment. All right, you've got two people who are in a relationship. One person does something wrong, hurts the other person. And that forever changes that relationship, right? Changes that relationship. Now, have you ever, in humanity, ever seen where the person who was hurt did everything possible to make what the other person did disappear? We've never seen that. That that, that doesn't exist. There's no way possible to do that. See, that's where the contrast between a human relationship and a relationship with God breaks down. Because what we're going to see is is that God, in his relationship, even though you and I have done everything against him, did everything to make that right. Everything. And it isn't just forgiveness. He did everything to make sure that you and I have a great relationship with him. That's what blows our minds. And, 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 you know what? And most people don't even know that. They don't even understand it. Yes, we'll say, Oh, yes, I know. I believe in Jesus. I've been forgiven. But yet we come to gatherings like this defeated every time we go to prayer defeated, hoping God, would you please overlook what I did and hear me? I can never, here's, a, I can never be used of God again because, and the list goes on. Because we got this record. Why does that happen? It's because we don't really understand what he did for us. And can I tell you what he did for you? He changed you. The moment you came to Jesus, whether it was as a child, and it was your grandmother or your mother shared with you about Jesus, or whether it was later, like myself, as an adult, when I came to Christ as a young adult... The moment you came to Christ, the old you stopped being there. And the new you took over. And you entered into a perfect relationship with him. And that relationship is wonderful if you understand what he did for you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the new you. We're going to talk about what he did for you. And when we go through these verses, we're going to look again at... Verses 11 through 15. When we go through these verses, you're going to see six things that will just blow your mind about what he did for you. Let's start with verse 11. Here's what Paul writes to the Colossians. He says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting on the requirement that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principality and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, you're probably, some of you right now, you're thinking, wow, that's a mouthful. I can't wrap my brain around that, George. He said a lot there. What does it mean? Well, I'm going to explain it to you point by point what it means. And hopefully, the Spirit of God will open your eyes and your heart to understand what he did for you. Hopefully, help you to understand the new reality. Now, here's the thing. I want you to understand this. When I talk about the new reality... I am not going to present it to you as something you need to grab a hold of and live in. That would be wrong of me to do that. What am I going to do? I'm going to present it to you as something you are already in. You are already in this new reality. You just don't know that you're there. My task today is to help you to see the new reality, to open your eyes to the reality of where you're at. So let's look at this together. I'm going to show you the new reality. Here's the first one. Let me explain it to you as we go along. Look at verse 11. Here's what he says. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. All right, so here's, here's what he's talking about. First of all, circumcision. What is that? I think everybody understands what circumcision is. It's an Old Testament rite among the Jews. All male Jew children were circumcised on the eighth day as a sign of the covenant. And what would happen is, is part of their body would be cut away. That's about as elaborate as I'm going to get in that. We understand, right? So here he's saying, you have been circumcised. What does that mean, George? Well, he's talking spiritually. He's saying that there is a circumcision that has taken place in your lives when you came to Jesus that was made without hands. So something was taken away. Let's go on a look and look a little bit here. What what has been taken away? He says, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. Now, here's my point. Here's what I want you to see. The spiritual bondage of your body has been put off. What are you talking about, George? Hey, you ever heard somebody say, know yourself? You ever had somebody tell you that? Know yourself? If you examined your life for a moment, you would realize that a lot of the decisions that you make right now in life are automatic decisions that you make. You don't sit there and ponder forever about getting a glass of water and drinking it. If you're thirsty, you go get a glass of water and you drink, right? You don't ponder when you're going to Walmart and you're walking through the checkout lane there, whether it's a self-checkout or with a clerk or whatever, And you see all the candy bars there and you just reach over and grab a candy bar and throw it on the thing. And as soon as you get it, walk out, you what? Open it up and you eat it. That was natural. That came out of you. Where did that come from? Well, the scripture talks about that you and I are governed by the desires of our flesh, our bodies. And to be honest with you, before you came to Jesus, that's how you operated. By whatever you wanted to satisfy your own desires. Now, we've seen extremes of that, right? What do you mean the extremes of it? Well, we see people who get off in addictions, whether it's drugs or alcohol, food, whatever kind of addictions, even sex. They end up being addicted to something where their bodies control them. They can't live without whatever it is. They got to have it, right? And they're controlled they even have heard people say this about somebody who's had severe, they've lost their minds. Have we not said that? They've kind of lost their minds. It's because their bodies are in control. So the first thing that happens, he's pointing out here that you understand how you're complete in Christ is, is that the spiritual bondage of your body has been put off. In fact, that's what Romans 6 kind of talks about is that you and I as believers, because we've been set free, we should no longer yield our members. What is it that? or yield the parts of our body to sin. So the thing that defeats us, let's be honest, what defeats us the most? Sin. The habits we have. We don't need to sit around and talk about what they are because everybody has their own stuff. You have cravings Spiritual cravings within you that drive you and you think there's nothing I can do. I'm in bondage to this. I'm telling you right now that bondage has been broken by coming to Jesus. And you just need to realize that. That's the new reality. You have the ability to say no. Well, you say, well, does that mean I'll never have a problem with that again? No. Sometimes it takes a while to work out that you don't have to do something, doesn't it? Isn't that in human life? But here's what I'm trying to tell you. So oftentimes we're in that process of walking down the same road, falling in the same, same hole over and over again. But Jesus changed us so that we don't have to take that same road anymore. This is what's wonderful. That's what's so wonderful about the relationship with Jesus. Here's the second one. Look with me. Verse 12. We're actually going to look at two points here from verse 12. Here's what he says. Buried with him in baptism... In which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, buried with him, what's he talking about here? Well, it's kind of an illusion. Everybody understands baptism, right? You know, we baptize by immersion here. We would lift up the screen, open the panels. There's a baptismal pool behind there. Some of you, I've baptized you. What do we do? We bring you into the water. And we say, you know, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then what? We lower you into the water. Buried in the likeness of his death, what? Raised to walk in newness of life. It's a picture. It's a picture of what? A picture of a spiritual reality that Paul's referring to here in this passage. And here's what it is. Here's the first part of it. Here's the reality. Your old self has spiritually died with Christ. Your old self, the self that controlled you, the self that was going to hell, the self that was rebelling against God, that died. Your old nature. I know some people like to say you still have that sin nature. I don't believe that. You don't have that sin nature. You inhabit a body of flesh that has been trained in sin, but your old nature has died. Why? Because so oftentimes he refers to that old nature in a past tense, meaning that's not true for you right now. So you are somebody completely different because the old you died. But so many of us don't know that. And so your old self died with Jesus spiritually. When he was buried, you were buried. Which brings us to the third point I want you to see here. So as you were dead, you what? You were raised. Listen to what Romans says. He's referring to the same thing here what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do we not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So just as you died with him, here's the reality. Here's the the next point I want you to see. You were raised up spiritually with Christ to live a new life. You ever said this? I just want to live for you more, Jesus. I just want to do what's right, but I just can't do it. You ever said something like that? Here's the reality. That was bogus. Because the reality is, I can do it. Why? Because it's no longer the old George. The old George couldn't do it. The new one can. Why? Because the new one was raised up with Jesus to live a new life. You can live the new life. The new life with him. Now, what's the new life, George? Walk around with my Bible all day? Show up a do. Du- no, no, we're not talking about living a new religious life. We're talking about a new life where you are complete in Jesus because you have a relationship with him. That's what he's talking about here. So, okay, so here's what we've seen so far we've seen that the spiritual bondage of my body has is, is been put off. I no longer need to be controlled by my flesh. The spiritually, the old nature has died. I've been raised up a new person. Here's three more. Look with me, verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. All right, now look, let me just stop for a moment. One of the things I hear people all the time about, oh, I'm saved, I'm forgiven. Can I I tell you that? That just cheapens forgiveness. What what do you mean cheapens forgiveness? Because really, their concept of forgiveness, can I be honest with you? Their concept of forgiveness is the bad stuff I do is taken care of. I don't need to worry about it. So I can just keep doing what I'm doing. They cheapen it. It's called cheap grace. That is not what he's talking about here. Here's what he's talking about. He's talking about here, listen, being spiritually dead Because of your sins. You are alive because of forgiveness. See, those sins that you trivialize, well, I'm forgiven. Listen, those sins, before you came to Jesus, were killing you. Not just physically, although some of them are physically killing us, but they were killing you spiritually. And the ultimate death is the second death, which is the lake of fire. Listen, so when you came to Jesus... He forgave you and therefore made you alive so that you could be somebody different now. Not somebody who keeps doing the same old stuff over and over again, but hey, I'm forgiven. This is the point that he makes in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Stop for a moment. Isn't that the same thing he's saying here in Colossians? Dead in trespasses and sins? In which... See, this is what's going on. You were spiritually dead, and because you are spiritually dead, you were being led around by the nose. You know what that means? You ever seen a bull with a ring in its nose? And they tie a rope to it and lead it wherever it needs to go? That's who you were. Everybody here had a nose piercing. I don't, George. Yes, you did. A spiritual one, because three things were guiding you in your life. The world, whatever the world's doing, Satan biggest manipulator in the world all he knows what button to push in your life in your own bodies whatever your cravings were the desires that's because you were spiritually dead but he came along and made you alive how because the thing that was killing you he forgave you were made alive because of his forgiveness now here is the other one that i think will blow your mind look with me at verse 14 here's what he says having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Hey, you know what? All of you have records. You have a record. All of you have a record of the bad stuff and the stuff that you shouldn't have done, the stuff that you did and wish you hadn't done. Everybody here has got a record. you got a record And there's no way to get rid of it on your own. You ever tried to get rid of it? You can't. Ever tried to forget it? You can't. If we were to have a group session, we're not. But if we were to have a group session, we would say, okay, I want everybody to go around and tell us all the junk you've done. Just give it in categories. Don't give us specifics. That would be a terrible meeting, wouldn't it? First of all, you wouldn't want to show up for that. You don't need a meeting like that to remember because you remember automatically. Why? Why? Because you have an enemy who the Bible will refer to as the accuser of the brethren. That's the second way that he attacks us. He attacks us, first of all, with temptation. Second way he attacks us is with accusation. And your consciences and the enemy continually accuses you of what you've done wrong. Now, here's what I want you to see when you came to Jesus by faith, When you realized who he was and what he did for you on the cross and who he is as the son of God, deity, God himself, and you realize that you have committed your life to follow him, here's what happened. Yes, you were made alive. Yes, you you were broken from that bondage of the body that's taken place. Yes, you have been forgiven. But here's what he's saying. That record of offense that everyone here has, he dealt with it. Here's my point. Your record of offense has been wiped out through the cross. Your record of offense has been wiped out through the cross. Isn't that wonderful? See, listen, that's why salvation is more. Can I be honest with you? Salvation is more than just being forgiven. When you first come to Jesus and heaven later on, it's every day right now. Because again, your perception of yourself really affects your perception of how God sees you. And for a lot of you here, and even for myself, we've been perceiving ourselves through a record of offense, and we think that God sees us that way, but God's telling us right here in Colossians what? He took care of that record of offense. So much so, Hebrews tells us that we can come boldly into the throne room of grace and seek help in the time of need. We can just show up God, I need you to work on this. God, I'm feeling this way today. That's what's so awesome. But can I tell you that just is so missing from church culture today. What do you mean? Church culture spends most of its time talking about what you did wrong rather than talking about what Jesus did for you. Now, there's one final thing that you need to be aware of. One final thing. All right, here's what it is. Look with me at verse 15. It's kind of like, wow, what is he talking about here? Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. Here he's talking about spiritual forces of wickedness. Here he's talking about demons and Satan. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus Christ has defeated and humiliated the powers of evil. He's defeated the enemy he's humiliated him now what does that got to do with me today George because here's the thing you have a very real enemy do you not realize that again here's how the enemy attacks you listen to me if you want to write these down number one number one way he attacks you everybody understands this temptation right you don't understand that you're tempted you're not alive you are tempted here's what the second area of of attack from the enemy is accusation you see what you did back there? He's constantly reminding you. Accusation. Third area of attack. Lies. Lies about who God is. Lies about Jesus. Lies about yourself. Lies about salvation. Lies about this. Lies about that. And he governs our lives by lies. And see, those are the... Th- Three biggest areas of attack. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. When it says that Jesus has defeated them and humiliated them, can I be honest with you? Satan has no power over you. You can say no to the temptation. You can shut down the accusation. And you can confront the lies with what? Truth. And move on. Why do you think he tells you in his letters resist the devil the reason why you can do that is what because satan has been defeated and humiliated isn't that awesome now look everything i just talked to you about here all six of these points they have to do with everyday life right now don't they they have to do with you right now. The cravings of your body. You don't have to be in bondage to that. The, the whole reality of the old you is dead. You're totally somebody new now. Your record of offense nailed to the cross, wiped out. And The enemy, Satan, has no power over you. That has to do with right now. But the problem is, most of us aren't aware of that. We aren't aware. so we lead defeated lives, and we think that God perceives us in a negative way, but He doesn't.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning, and we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you.